Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. TDN Fantasy. The TDN Fantasy Podcast Podcast. with your host Paige Demakos, Jamie Eisner, and Jake Arians. Hi guys, welcome in to the TDN Fantasy Podcast. We are live on YouTube. You guys can start checking us out on the Draft Network's YouTube channel. Please subscribe uh, to the channel so you know when we're there. We're going to have our own list so you'll be able to see just the TDN Fantasy Podcast there amongst the YouTube videos that get streamed. There's a bunch of great content there, but obviously we want you guys to listen to the podcast. Um, subscribe wherever you are. Give us ratings wherever you are. Give us some comments. You guys can actually comment on the show live now, which will be fun for us to be able to take some interactive audience dialogue. So, guys, first and foremost, we are previewing or we're looking at the AFC South post the NFL draft. So, Because we're talking about the AFC South, there is one piece of news that came down about an hour ago, and then one thing that did not happen this NFL draft that we talked about endlessly that I want to get into just from a timetable and what you guys think will happen now. So let's start off with Leonard Fournette. He, the the Jacksonville Jaguars, tried mightily to get him to not be on this football team. Uh, They were involved in many trade talks. There was discussion and different reports throughout the draft of them trying to move on from Leonard Fournette. Did not happen. They picked up his fifth-year option about 45 minutes ago, 3 o'clock West Coast time on Friday. So, Jake, Leonard Fournette is your guy. For better or for worse, he is your guy. Not for better. (laughs) No, it's for worse uh, all the time. So let's talk about Leonard Fournette and picking up his fifth year option, Jake. I don't think they had a trade partner that was worth a damn, basically. I mean, they weren't going to give him away. He's still a solid player for them. Third in the NFL in touches last year, so he's still productive. This is the first year he was really healthy. Lost a bunch of weight in the offseason, came in, had had his, his best year since his rookie year by far. Uh, but he's still actually, a lot guys, run, I hate, hate to cut you off, Jake, but actually there's an about yeah. face here. They've declined his fifth year option. Oh. Uh, so no, that that's uh, it came with New York Post reporting it as of a minute ago. Uh, a couple others as well. Last couple, they actually are declining his fifth year option. So that makes more uh, sense that, to that, me. That that's 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 interesting. So um, that, wow. oof, okay, Chapter yeah, so being just, wrong is like never wrong. So that's maybe there was uh, some back wrong. and forth there. Yeah, no, Schefter never wrong. So. Listen, now let's talk about it. What the hell are they going to do? Or what the hell is Leonard Fournette going to do now that he – I mean, listen, they tried to, to offload him during the draft and obviously it didn't happen. So, Jake, now with different news, let's talk about that. I still fully expected him to be traded during the draft, but they weren't going to give him give him away. Yeah. Now it's more like, okay, we could go – any injury in training camp, if we get their uh, injuries before the trade deadline next year, they get something back because there's more of a value – this was a good running back class. Nobody was going to give more than a fifth-round pick for Leonard Fournette. And then you're picking up – we talked about it before. Where does he fit? Kansas City? No. I said Seattle. You know, that's a very Seattle kind of thing to do. But he doesn't really fit a lot of places. They weren't going to give him away. 
Now, if there's an injury in training camp or injury next year before the trade deadline, they get something back. And Gakwe, we'll get into in a minute. That's another one I thought. Same kind of situation, but that's why you don't run your mouth. That's why you don't get a damn Twitter war with the owner. Mm-hmm. They have all the power, man. What do you, you hold out, they find your ass. The new CBA allows it's a lot easier for the teams to collect we talked about. So I fully expected him to get traded during the draft. I'm kind of shocked he didn't. But they were going to give him away. I thought they were pretty smart about it, actually. So, Jamie, do you think he's going to end up, I mean, obviously play this year out in Jacksonville. Do you think he could potentially still be moved? Um, obviously, Jacksonville declining the fifth-year option. This is this is a guy who we've talked about with a lot of talent, but there's a lot of issues and baggage that come along with him. Yeah, look, there's an injury history that dates back to college. There's a soft tissue injury history. There's the history that he has that we talked about on the show about will he gut through at 80% like some other players will, he has at times shown that he won't. Uh, And that also dates back to college. So there are a lot of concerns there. And also look, teams that have paid running backs big money on their second contracts have more often than not regretted it in recent history. Uh, We've just saw what happened with Todd Gurley. We were seeing what happened with Le'Veon Bell, although there's some other different circumstances going, going to that. But Teams just don't want to commit big dollars to running backs when, unfortunately, the position has been devalued. You can find a lot of qual- – I should say this. The position has been devalued from a salary cap standpoint. It hasn't yes. been devalued from a important standpoint. There's just a lot of really good players at the position. It's been overflooded. It's a supply-demand just like any other market in real life. It is flooded with a lot of quality talents and a lot of offenses that have been very creative in the way they can use their running games. And they can plug and play to some extent because there's a lot of talented players at different positions. But – uh, look, they didn't want to pay eight and a half million dollars, which is what would have been guaranteed for injury uh, next year. I don't know where he goes. I don't know what teams are going to step up for anything more than maybe a one or two year deal. Like if Melvin Gordon can't get more than a two year deal, yeah, well, I would much rather have than Leonard Fournette. Who's going to get those deals? Now, I know Christian McCaffrey just got re-signed and we'll see what we feel about that re-signing three, four years from now. But this is just the new normal in the NFL. Uh, you know, just tell your, you know, mothers tell your kids not to grow up to be running backs. You know, I just, it, I think it, it's it injury is, dependent where he ends up. Yeah. I, yeah. I think somebody's got to get hurt somewhere. Somebody's needy and they go, man, we got a chance. Screw it. We got to have a guy. Here's a fourth round pick. And Jacksonville says, okay. I mean, that's, I think that's, and they're not looking at anything extensive long-term there. It's just him changing teams has a chance to flash with somebody else and then maybe sign somewhere, but he's not yeah. getting a big second, second deal. I think Seattle's the one that kind of sticks out to me if they, because of their injury issues that they already have at their running back position, because of the fumbling issues with Chris Carson, that could be one where it's potentially down the road. They need to make a really strong locker room. Yep. Russell's running the show. There's no question. You you know, you don't like it. You don't want to, you don't want to shape up to ship your ass out of there. Um, Might be the right situation. He's fine with taking a chance on guys. So Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, you know, I, I still think that's probably the best situation, but they don't have to. They don't have to give up anything now until they have Carson comes back as an as an issue. One of the guys isn't healthy. You know, they can still make that deal. Yeah, no, for sure. Okay, the other thing we wanted to talk about that Jake, you you briefly brought up is Ngakwe, right? He, we talked about him. Everybody talked about him heading into the draft. He talked a lot about himself going into the draft, right? He talked a lot on Twitter. He got into it with the ownership son. Um, it, it's who's the president of the team, by the way. Yeah, yeah it ain't just it's, the owner's son. Yeah, he also he's has a heavy the boss without his dad being around. Like, yeah, he's got heavy he's involvement. Employed. Yeah, he's got heavy <clears throat> involvement into the organization, and and we discussed that at length. But I think the bigger thing here is most people expected that he would get 
traded on draft night. Um, one of the three nights of, of the NFL draft has not happened yet. So Jake, you first, your thoughts, do you think he still gets traded or is he forced in some weird scenario to try and play in Jacksonville after all the animosity between the two sides so far? Uh, long-term deals and money changes animosity fast. <laughs> yeah, I still expect him to be somewhere else. I think they're being smart. I think Jacksonville's had a pretty solid offseason. Tom Coughlin leaving. Marone, they, they sat back and just said, okay, let's, let's see. We had a ton of draft picks. They didn't have to do it for this year. I, th- I still think they could get a decent second for him, but they wanted something big. They wanted a first, and no, nobody was coming off of that for this draft. This draft didn't have a ton of movement. It didn't have anywhere near the movement we thought it was going to have, uh, especially for players, but we have an elongated offseason now. You have a chance for guys to get hurt working on their own or when they finally come back to OTAs. Uh, I think it's a lot like Fournette. There could be an injury dependence. Plus, he was asking for $20 million. Him and Jadavion Clowney are still sitting out there looking for money. One, you ain't Jadavion Clowney. And he shouldn't be asking for $20 million. He should be asking for twelve. So there's, there's an issue right there. If it's real that his agent is asking for $20 million, nobody's giving up anything for him because they're like, hell no, I'm not paying him that. I'm not getting stuck with a draft pick and a player that we can't resign. Yeah, if that's happening, that's why nobody's traded for him yet. I mean, yeah. look, the, I would imagine that that other teams around the league have paid attention to what Bill O'Brien and what Sean McVay and Les Snead did and realized that you really kind of cut your legs out from under you if you trade for these guys before you have a deal in place. 100%. And if, he's, and if Ndokwe is indeed like, I'm not signed, you know, I want to sign for 20 million or 19 million or whatever it is a year to have that deal in place on a four or five year deal, then yeah, nobody's training for him right now. So when yeah. that price comes down, when things get more realistic, that's when a deal can happen because if they're smart, you make a deal like that with, with a contract already in place that basically is just signed the second that the trade goes through the league office. Yeah. No, I think it's a big deal that we're that a cautionary tale, right? Everything that has happened with Les Snead, with some of these other managements that have brought in players and you don't have deals done and it puts you in a tough situation. And so maybe that's what's happening. Um, the Jadavian Clowney stuff, obviously very interesting. Also in this division, still not on a roster. Um, with everything that's going on around the country and the ability to not see some of these guys Face to face, um, it's going to have an interesting impact as we continue to look at some of these guys who aren't on rosters. What's going to happen? Will there be trades that happen? Um, we're just in a in a different spot than than ever before. The other interesting thing too is how many of these teams, and this is what we don't know, think they're in on Clowney on some level. And if Clowney ends up signing, those teams that miss out will be more like again not at twenty million dollars, but they're going to be more likely to go after a guy like Indakwe. Yeah. No, that's a good point, Jamie. All right, let's move on. Let's talk about what actually happened during the draft. So we will start off with the Indianapolis Colts because they had a they had an interesting draft. They had a fun draft. And for the first time in uh, listen, they they did some things ahead of the draft, right? They they made some moves ahead of the draft. Then they ended up drafting a quarterback during this draft, um, obviously later on, but still some intrigue and interest level. Uh, so let's go through this, right? Jonathan Taylor, Michael Pittman, Julian Blackman, Jacob Beeson, Danny Pinter, Isaiah Rogers, Desmond Patron, um, and Jordan Glasgow. But I think the from a fantasy impact here, I want to bring up to you guys, first talk about their overall draft class, but then we're going to get into Jonathan Taylor, who is the consensus number one in dynasty rankings so far 
um, with it on Fantasy Pros. So we'll get into that. But Jamie, your overall thoughts on on this draft class and the immediate impact for the Indianapolis Colts. I thought it was really solid. Uh, I really like what they did. I think Michael Pittman such an underrated player. Uh, I think his ability to step in immediately and have with his sure hands, his sure route running, his NFL-ready ability is going to make an impact in year one, both for the Colts and for fantasy. And I think he's kind of maybe getting a little bit overlooked because he hasn't been as hyped up as the Judys and the Rugs. And it's understandable why he hasn't. He doesn't have that kind of upside, but his floor is pretty high. And he's going to be able to make an immediate impact, whether or not T.Y. Hilton is fully healthy all season or not. I love the Pittman there. Jonathan Taylor is going to be really fun to watch. Uh, I think the Colts are going to subscribe to we're not going to pay a running back in a big second contract. Uh, and maybe Marlon Mack was asking for too much money and they're, they're content going with Jonathan Taylor uh, as the guy for the future. It will be interesting to see how both those guys are used along with Naeem Hines this year. Mack's not a pass catcher, uh, so he's been coming off the field a lot anyway. So it'll be interesting to see how they use him. But overall, I thought it was a pretty solid class. I thought Blackman was a really good pick there. Look, when you, when you take a quarterback on day three, I don't think there's any sort of controversy or whatnot. But again, keep in mind, Philip Rivers is on a one-year deal. This might yeah. be his last season. You don't have an heir apparent right now. E, you know, Eason might not be that heir apparent, but it's worth at least seeing on day three if he can. you start to see flashes of maybe that could be somebody that we can at least either go with or can be in a QB competition one or two years down the road. I, I thought it was weird. I liked it. I love Pittman. Look, his dad was a pro. His SC pro environment. He's going to, as Jamie said, step right in. Huge catch radius. I love that he's a big-bodied guy. T.Y. can still get deep. T.Y. runs the entire route tree, but so does Pittman in a very different way. can play outside. Jonathan Taylor, I love. And during his draft process, people I talked to had him run routes to see what the pass-catching ability was. Apparently, it was really, really natural. I could see him becoming a three-down back there. I could see Marlon Mack being shipped out and getting draft capital, another player that we could talk about in this division, get moved. Uh, as Jamie said, not paying him because now you got Jonathan Taylor for four years. Um, I like Deason. You know, apparently there's a character issue there. Yeah. Of why he left Georgia, went to Washington. He didn't get the greatest endorsement from the people at Washington, which is a little weird to me. But if you put all these guys and we have this conversation all the time, the best versus the most talented, he's the most talented dude in this class. You're talking about just slinging it, him and Jordan Love, but but neither one of them were the highest rated quarterback, right? Of course. I don't think either one of them are going to be the best in this class, but I like it. Put him behind Phillip Rivers for a year, two years, whatever it ends up being. If he's got to grow up, but apparently he was starting to this last year, um, I like that, especially where they got him. And you're talking about a guy that four or five weeks before the draft was potentially a late first rounder, second day for sure, and you get him that late. I love that pick. I thought it was solid. Jonathan Taylor, I thought was a little weird at the time because of Marlon Mack. Yeah. And it's a little bit of a crowded backfield, but I can see Marlon Mack being shipped out, keeping Naheem Hines as a slot guy, extra receiver, but I can see them making Jonathan Taylor a three down guy and being a workhorse in that offense. And they're going to love him in Indy. I know. I know I told Jake this and I'll give the, the podcast and the YouTube audience just a little behind the scenes of the combine. So at the combine, there is Exos, which is a training facility. There's five of them all over the country and they train everybody and they train everybody. everybody. 
Like they, I think it's, they had 80% of the guys that were at the combine were training with Exos and they have uh, the downstairs of a hotel. They turn into a training facility and it is unbelievable what they have set up there. I went there to go meet with the guy who runs, his name's Trent. So shout out to Trent. He runs the facility out here in Scottsdale and he wanted to run me through and kind of give me a look behind the scenes of what all the athletes were doing. I went there and it was late at night. It had to be 11 PM, Right. No other athletes are in there. Jonathan Taylor was in there busting his ass. I, I guys, I told Jake, I was like, this dude, I looked at Trent and I go, dude, it's 11 o'clock at night. He goes, he doesn't stop. It's all the time. He By the way, the combine is exhausting. That, thank you. The fact it's, that you wanted to go do something at 11 o'clock is... He, he just said he did. He doesn't, there is, when we talk about having a motor, he does, the motor doesn't turn off. It's just always on. He wants more. He wants, every time they tell him they got to stop him from doing stuff because they're like, yo, you need to calm yourself. You're going to like, cause he's just go, go, go all the time. So I was excited to see, I, I thought weird in a, in a way like you talked about because of the Marlon Mack stuff. But man, what a weapon to have in this offense behind that offensive line, right? Because I know if you watch a Wisconsin game, it's it is a joy for a running back to run behind mm-hmm. that offensive line. Okay, yeah. there's there is a lot of offensive lines in the NFL that wish they had the what the Wisconsin offensive line looks like each and every year. So for him to be able to go into a situation like Indianapolis where he is going to have a good offensive line, I think it's I think it's going to be a, a really good scenario, and I think that's why you guys see him as the number one consensus dynasty rated running, not, not running back consensus player dynasty, number one, uh, Jonathan Taylor. So Jamie, if Marlon I, Mack hadn't been really good for them. I thought it was a home run for sure. For sure. Jonathan Taylor in the second round, then get Easton later on. It just, it was strange. I mean, I'll ask you, I, Jamie, Fournette, Fournette or Mack, if you're trading. I'm, uh, taking, Mack. I'm taking Mack too. Depends on what Fournette's I need. Probably Mack a little can't bit catch. more well-rounded. Yeah, yeah, but it's not a lot, not an issue either. And he plays. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, you're, that's who you're going to be. These teams are going to be going back and forth now. I mean, those guys are going to be on the block, and Indy doesn't have to do anything. Their salary cap is set. They can sit back and just wait and see if they get a great offer and then move them. And then they can even ride out the season. I mean, they can even mm-hmm. ride out the season with a couple of those guys and, and see Probably how they their play. plan. No, yeah. Chris Ballard is like, hey, we'll just keep them both. And us fantasy people are going to go, <laughs> yeah, yeah, for, yeah, for, for year one, but, eight or ten carries a game. Then, yeah, for year one, absolutely. But yeah, he's he's would be my number one dynasty player as well. Again, just the talent, the offensive line, the situation. Uh, there's a lot to love about that there. And and look, it's it's it was is it's a luxury pick for year one, but it's a necessity. If if you can bring in Jonathan Taylor and not have to spend any significant chunk of your cap space locking up Marlon Mack, who I like Marlon Mack a lot, but he's a two down back in today's NFL. Yeah. Like, it is what it is. Like, and he does, he does it very well. He, he's going to have a good role somewhere. Uh, you know, I, I know they, I, I, there are a lot of fits. There's not necessarily as many fits for a dollar amount. Like I would love to see him, you know, split work with, let's say a guy like Austin Eckler, but there's just dollar amount would not make any sense there. But, uh, but he's still a two down back in the NFL right now. And if you can get a three down back with a second round pick, who's again, some had as the number one back on their board. It was between him and, and DeAndre Swift for most. I, I can't complain. This is again another another solid draft. Uh, I think he's going to help them this year, as will Pittman. And I just I'm excited about what they have. They got three guys in the first three rounds. I think are going to help them immediately this year. And you got your backup quarterback, maybe a, maybe a potential QB of the future in the fourth round. I, I don't know how you can complain. So Jake, I wanted so Jonathan Taylor's number one. 
Michael Pittman's number 10 on that dynasty list. Um, and, and Jacob Eason comes in rounding out the top 50. He's number 50. Uh, so your thoughts on, on Jonathan Taylor and Michael Pittman, and then uh, we'll end with a little Eason talk because I'm excited for him in that situation. I think you could have the nucleus of the future sitting right there, but I think Pittman's going to be a monster immediately. I think they're going to be in a shotgun a ton with Phillip Rivers. He's older. Then have the greatest footwork, not the greatest athlete in the world, was in the shotgun a ton in, in San Diego slash Los Angeles. I think that fits Taylor better than it fits Marlon Mack anyway. Um, and he's going to be able to check. So and he has no problem throwing a great jump ball, which fits Pittman's style immediately. As far as Eason goes, like I said, he might be the most talented quarterback in this draft, needs to grow up. Indianapolis is the perfect place. Yeah. It's small. It's all right there downtown. It's awesome. Everybody's going to know who you are. You can't go out and get in trouble. It's the perfect place to go and mature under a guy like Phillip Rivers with the 10 kids and the family, you know, <laughs> dynamic. Yeah. It's perfect for him. Whether yeah. Phillip wants to mentor him or not, it's a great situation to go to. So you might have your nucleus of the future. By the way, there are additions from last year's draft, that young offensive line, mm-hmm. that defense is actually pretty young. I mean, they could be sitting pretty here with the big core of young players for a while. Yeah, and, and, and it, yeah, in a division that's pretty meh, right? Like uh, the division, there isn't like this really strong other team in the division that you really, really love. I mean, it's everybody's and kind of – It doesn't work out. They gave up nothing. Yeah, yeah like, exactly. They 122. There's no risk at all. Yeah, no, yeah. I think – go ahead, Jamie. And again, the other exciting part of this offense that we're not talking about is a big piece from last year. I like Paris Campbell as a potential yeah. field stretching guy in the slot now. But you want to Pittman on the outside. Pittman's going to be on the field. He's a, he's a great blocker and he's an eager blocker. He does a lot of things well. He's going to get on the field very quickly. He he's not going to have the same sort of learning curve some of these other maybe more talented, more ceiling talent did receivers are going to have to face. Michael Pittman can be is for my money was the most NFL ready wide receiver. Maybe not the most talented, but the most NFL ready. This is a really exciting offense uh, going into this season and going forward. Yeah, I think there's there should be a lot of excitement. This was one of the things when we talked about Philip Rivers making the transition from the LA Chargers to this team. It was easy to look at this offense and go, okay, there aren't as many weapons as he had in LA. Now that you look at the offense, it starts to look pretty damn good here, right? It is if they're healthy. We, I mean, Jack Doyle, we all like. Yep. Look, I, I like Philip Rivers for this year in fantasy. I mean, so he's not I. like an early round guy, but if you want to be, we got into, we talked about last year when you take quarterbacks. He might be one of those guys rounds 10 or 11 that you took in the past as maybe your second quarterback. I'd love to have him sitting on my roster with this offense. Look, that all he needs is that offensive line. Yeah, that's the biggest part. Apart with a bunch of, like, yeah. number twos. Yeah, and I think they got more than number twos. T.Y. is damn sure not a number two. I, no, I he's like a number him. one. I, I think he's going to be solid. And as, as we mentioned, it's, it's as we said on the show when we did the NFC South show – or, excuse me, AFC South show – there's almost no bigger discrepancy from an, an improvement you could make on offensive lines because the Chargers had one of the four worst offensive lines in football last year. Yep. And the Colts ranked in the top three, but for my money, are the number one offensive line in football. That is a massive difference. And if you don't think that being under pressure and starting to feel pressure and hearing footsteps and hearing things that aren't there factors into a high turnover volume, you're nuts. Yeah, and I love that Jake brought up just the environment that he's going to play in. That he he basically played sixteen away games all year long. That too. Like that is that you can't even. There's no like analytical tool to describe what it's like to be cheered against 
every single game. You never, it's loud all I tell you what, our, our listeners need to go, go back in YouTube, Peyton Manning playing quarterback for the Colts. And just listen. Turn the audio way up and listen. You can't hear anything. Yeah. Because if he heard something, he's yelling at freaking security to tell his people to shut the hell up so he can hear. Like, they have established a culture when they're on offense, mm-hmm. which fits Phillip Rivers to a T. Change the play at the line of scrimmage. Check this. Check that. You can communicate all over the place, all the way down to the wee seconds of the play clock, which fits him perfectly. Like to Page's point, he couldn't do the last couple of years in a freaking soccer stadium. Yeah, the Colts fans are one of the most intelligent in-game understanding uh, fan base in the league. Like that, they understand situational football at at their stadium better than most, if not all, of the rest of the league. Yeah, the Midwest just does football a little bit better. Like, I just, sorry, West Coast, like, it's just not the same. You got a lot of intelligent, long-term, been-in-your-blood fans that just know what's going on, and I think Phillip Rivers is going to thrive. And I'm I'm excited for Eason because, like Jake said, the only, the only thing that Eason really had going against him, and I shouldn't say only, but it wasn't about his talent. And, and up until th- even three weeks outside of the draft, it was kind of the, you know, the Tua, Herbert, obviously, and Joe Burrow conversation. And then Jordan Love and Jacob Eason were kind of grouped together. It wasn't, and Fromm was on his own. Like, that's that's kind of where... And then the, you had the outlier of Jalen Hurts, but yeah. yeah. Yeah, and Jalen Hurts. But they had the, they kind of tiered off, and then Jordan Love got drafted early and started to kind of be discussed. But from a talent perspective, Jacob Eason's got a hell of an arm. He's just got to grow up, and it seems like this is the perfect environment for him to grow up. All right, before we, move, so. on, before we move on, draft grades. Jamie first. Uh, I give them an A minus. I really like what they did. I love their second round. I love their first. I love rounds two through four for them. I think they're going to be impact players. Jake, yeah, A minus, B plus. I mean, Chris Ballard's just—he might be the best in the business at this point. Yeah, mm. and they traded away a first round pick for a hell of a player, hell of a player. So you, yeah, because you got to throw that in this draft, right? Got a factor. Like their first round pick was a player now under contract for a long term. That's an absolute difference maker. Yep, that's, that's got to factor in when you're looking about the totality of what they did here. All right, let's talk about the uh, the Houston Texans, who have been uh, a joke of the offseason for, for most of the offseason. They also had a pretty interesting moment caught on camera. Uh, Bill O'Brien berating uh, people on camera, caught. That's why, Jake, when we talked about some of the good and the bad of what we saw, there were, uh, you know, a lot of people that I've talked to were saying, oh, I loved being able to see the head coaches and GMs. And I'm going, yeah, and they didn't love you seeing them. They They did not like that at all. They were there. They are ready to be in their office, in a war room without uh, the United States audience in the world watching them, right? So Houston Texans will go, I'll I'll go through these picks here. So Ross uh, Blacklock, Jonathan Greener, Charlie Heck, John Reed, Isaiah Coulter. Um, Listen, guys, I think when we talk about the Texans, this is a team that I I just can't get a read on how I'm going to feel about this team when we get through training camp because I, I love Deshaun Watson, but that's it's I love David I, I love yep. I love David Johnson right we, but we, I, we did the preview yeah I mean that's we, it like, we love we love Deshaun Watson I love that's, Deshaun that's Watson the- and JJ Watt is gonna have some awesome pregame speeches but like I, I don't know this team is so blah to me and I and I feel for Deshaun Watson but it, it's I can't get a good read on this team and that's why I think they're uh they're over under is eight because it's it's just like the definitive eight and eight blah 
roster because it's a quarterback. Yeah, they're not that good. Yeah, they're not that good. So, Jake, your thoughts on – is there anything Texans fans can get excited about here from this draft class? From this draft class? Yeah. Black Locks a stud. I mean, you can put him next to J.J. Watt. He can rush the passer, quick feet, explosive, stops the run. I mean, that was a solid pick. Um, But they only have five picks. Yeah. Yeah. I'll give them a C plus. There's nothing they can do between now and then to training camp to make me think to your point that they're better than a six, seven, one team. I don't yeah. winning eight games in the NFL is freaking hard. They've done a hell of a job of that for the last couple of years. Cause their quarterback will just make magic happen. But I don't know how long you can ask him to do that. Now, the only thing I could say is if David Johnson's healthy and David Johnson of old and cooks is healthy and he's passed the concussion stuff, and, and Fuller stays healthy, healthy. who, who, who of, never yeah. stays healthy. And the offensive line plays really well. Then you have enough talent on offense that they could they could get to eight and eight. But I can't I can't imagine they're going to do better than that. But now we got to talk about their defense. And I don't yeah. care what they do over there. They're not they're not better than four or five wins on that side of the ball. All that to me still says six seven wins. That's a whole lot of ifs, Jamie. And and we know yes. how the NFL is. There's just too many. You you're not you're not going to get fully healthy, all those guys. That's just not how the NFL works. You might get half of it, even if you get 75% of what we just went through to, to, to fall your way. That's still a lot of variables where at best you're at 50-50 to fall your way and to have things kind of run in their direction. So do you like Blacklock too? Is there anything else that Texans fans can kind of grasp onto? They just didn't have a lot to, to, to start off with, right? Only five picks. Yeah, very limited draft capital. Blacklock's a great pick. He fits perfectly. Interior pressure guy. He, and that's an area that was an area of need for Houston. Love him getting there at 40. I thought he was a guy that might sneak into the very last couple picks of the first round. So you you, you love the value there. You know, Greenard could be something uh, in a couple years down the road uh, off the edge. But look, the reality is, is this this offseason is going to be was completely predicated on two moves. The first was made this offseason, which was the DeAndre Hopkins trade. And the other one was made when you traded for Laramie Tunsil. The, that is what this whole offseason, this is the result of those two trades. And like, look, I, I'm okay with saying if, 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 and then it leads to, then they win 13 games. Yeah. The if, 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 if in Houston leads to best case pie in the sky scenario, they might go nine and seven. Like I, there's just this, that's the problem. Like the, the, their best case scenario is probably not good enough for a playoff spot. And I just... I don't know. Like this team, this team has is really bad on the defensive side of the ball, particularly in their secondary. They have injury issues in their front seven. I just they have injury issues at receiver. They have injury issues at running back. Like I just to me, this is there. There, there's much greater room for this to be a complete disaster in 2020 than it is for them to be a playoff team, in my estimation. Yeah, no, they're they're my bookie line. Like I said, stay. They're at they're at eight and eight. Uh, it's juiced for the under. Uh, we told you this was a this was a team that we liked the under going in, like the under now. Um, you know, yeah. It's I was looking to say I had I had him at like best case scenario six or seven. I think uh, I forgot if I said six or seven on our show, but definitely yeah, under. I think it, we all felt like the under. It's just this is not a team. This is a Deshaun Watson led team, but feels very similar. Where you look at it and you're going, you're just edging him based off of Deshaun Watson. But really, if that whole roster we looked at and we went, man, this isn't a good roster, especially on the defensive side of the ball. They've really just gotten older. Um, haven't replaced a lot of what they've needed, and I, I just don't really see it um, as a good team. So C plus, Jake, you said, is that where you're landing? 
I'm going to go back to a C. I don't even think I can give it a C. I have five picks. I don't know. I mean, yeah. I don't know how you might have one starter. One starter may you have one starter out of this out of this class. You probably have more than that because you're that bad on defense. But yeah, C. Jamie. Yeah, I can I concur. C as well. Love the block lock pick, but that that was it. I mean, that's they just didn't have the capital to really make a difference. All right, and they did not have any picks that made the top 50 fantasy. I think that was self-explanatory, but we just wanted to make sure people didn't think I was leaving anybody off of, of, uh, of that team. So Jacksonville Jaguars, a team that had a lot of draft capital, much different scenario than what we just talked about in Houston. So I'll run through these picks. C.J. Henderson, Caleb on Chase Gunn, uh, LaVisca Chanel, Ben Barch, Josiah Scott, Shaquille Quarterman, Daniel Thomas, Colin Johnson, Jake Luton, Tyler Davis, Chris Claybrooks. Um, a lot of, lot of draft capital, guys. A lot of draft capital. A lot of those, the two first names, CJ Henderson, Caleb on Chase on some of the bigger names coming into this draft of people really excited about these guys. Two guys that make the top 50 for Dynasty in LaVisca Chanel and Colin Johnson. Chanel comes in at number 19. Colin Johnson comes in at 47. Two wide receivers for this team. We'll get into the fantasy impact, but Jake, your overall thoughts on this draft class for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Damn solid. We talked about the offseason going into the draft was nice. They had all of this capital, and they got to the perfect example of what we just talked about in Houston, one starter in five picks. The first four guys you named are starters. Yeah. With Colin Johnson in the fifth round, who could easily develop into being a stud, you know, big body, wide catch radius guy. They go up and get it. They can run. Um he played at Texas, not like he played bad competition. I mean, this, this receiver class was so deep. You got him there, but LaVisca Chenault playing in the slot with DJ Shark and the other D.D. Westbrook, the guys they have. I mean, his offense has some pieces. Um, I, I like what they did. I mean, you got Bart or Barsh in the, uh, what, third round, fourth round? Yep. I mean, just another solid player. But you added two defensive staples, pass rusher, man-to-man matchup corner, I like what they're building there. I mean, they yeah. got a, they're going to have a ton of cap space when they move all they move all these guys out. They got a bunch of picks again next year. Uh, they got to figure out what they're doing at quarterback. But I like what they're starting to build. They, they're doing this right. Blow it all the way up and turn it over with young studs. And they this was a hell of a start. Yeah, I, I love this class. Uh, I, I got I got some. I'll, I'll pat myself on the back slightly because I got ripped for having C.J. Henderson going at number nine in my mock. Uh, that it was too high, but I thought he was the second best cornerback in this class. Uh, apparently, the Jacksonville Jaguars did as well. Uh, fits that system perfectly. Going to be a day one starter. Uh, Caleb on Chason again, another exciting guy off the edge. You're going to have to replace a couple of the edge rushers. You're going to have to play some Dockway at some point. Uh, but I really love the Visca Chenault move. Uh, to me, is if his injuries are behind him, he has as much upside as any receiver in this class. I think people have forgotten how explosive he is. All the things he can do. The reports today that they're going to use him all over the field. They're going to use him in the backfield. They're going to use him as, for lack of a better phrase, a, a wildcat qu- quarterback, quarterback uh, jet sweeps, uh, off tackle really stuff, good. slot, outside. I mean, they're going to use him everywhere. And if he stays healthy, he has the same upside as the Judys and the Rugs and the CD Lambs of the world. People have forgotten how dominant of a player Chenault was. And by the way, he's a good, good person and a good leader. I could see yeah. him being an offensive captain very early in his career. Uh, took on that leadership role at Colorado. I think he it's going to be a very young team and a young offense in Jacksonville. He can develop into that role. If he stays healthy, we're going to be talking in a couple of years of that being a home run pick for Jacksonville in round two. He's got to stay healthy. There was nagging yes. injuries at Colorado that he didn't practice through. He had a little bit of that four net going on while he was there. People I talked to, 
but was still a captain, still looked at very highly. But you're exactly right. I mean, that's why I thought he was the perfect pick for Green Bay. Yeah. All the stuff you just said, you can move him all over the place. But he was that Randall Cobb for them. Thank you. That they now have their Rogers Air apparent. We're talking about again. Yeah. No, look, this class, I give it an A, maybe even an A plus. I mean, like four or five starters. Yeah. Not because they suck, because they're really, really solid. Uh, I thought they did a hell of a job. Yeah, especially considering you go the the Henderson and Kayla on Jason right off the bat address two of the people that they've moved on from needs that they have. Um, just a really overall good for Jacksonville, right? A lot of excitement. If they can get a deal done with Ngakwe, and now you've got Ngakwe and Chason with a man-to-man matchup corner. Yep. You're, you're heading towards being good on defense again real quick. All, all of a sudden, it starts to look uh, younger and and more attainable for sustainable for a longer period of time. So Lavisca Chanel comes in at 19 in that dynasty rankings by FantasyPros.com. Uh, Jake, best case scenario for Lavisca Chanel this year? Where do you see him? Uh, way too early uh, mocking potentially in this upcoming season. Where do I have him, or where do I have yeah. him? Way too early. Yeah, way too early. Right now, just it's too. We're not going to talk about what's going to happen in four months. Just right now, I wouldn't take him before the fifth, but I think he'll be going late third, fourth rounds. I think he's going to get a lot of hype. Uh, they're going to throw it a ton because they're not going to be in a lot of games, and he's going to get. <laughs> just think, Tyree Kill, right? It's a very similar role: a bunch of reverses, speed sweeps. Like Jamie says, he's playing wildcat. He's in the slot. And think about Minstash, man. He's running all over the place. If you can get a guy with a little chemistry that's that's quick out of the breaks, playing with the playing zone. He's going to get some of that dink and dunk stuff, and he's phenomenal right after the catch. So I wouldn't take him before the fifth if we're asking right now too early, but I could see him going late third, fourth rounds. Jamie, yeah, your cu- thoughts? It'd be curious to see where, where he gets pushed up in, in, in redraft leagues. He's probably more of a wide receiver four for me right now. Um, it takes some time for rookies to still make an impact. Uh, in the last five years, only eight rookies have more than 800 receiving yards. Uh, so it's just wow. something to kind of keep in mind. Now, three of them happened last year with McLaren and DK Metcalf and AJ Brown, but uh, we've seen it, it was just Calvin Ridley uh, the year prior, Juju and Cooper Cup the year prior to that, and then there was Michael Thomas and Amari Cooper. But we're going back to 2015 now, so it, it does take some time to make an impact. I still have questions about the QB situation there, but he's definitely somebody that I think you're going to be considering in flex territory. All right, guys, overall draft get grades. Jake, you first. Hey, solid, solid A. Jamie? A as well. Really, okay. really like what they did. Good news. Good news for Jacksonville Jaguars fans. You can also uh, head on over to the draftnetwork.com and jump on that mock draft machine because as of right now, there is a pretty good chance that you're going to end up with Trevor Lawrence in that mock draft machine. And man, Jacksonville fans have been having a lot of fun on the mock draft machine. We've plugged out. I have a shout out to Rob from uh, the graphics department who has put out some beautiful, beautiful jersey swaps of trevor lawrence and his and his flowing locks going to jacksonville sunshine Sunshine. he doesn't like being called sunshine but that's too bad he looks just like hair then because you look just like that's i said hey bro you better hope you don't end up anywhere near california because that is gonna be your nickname for life uh if you if you end up going somewhere like that it could end up being in jacksonville sunshine beach area of the country as well all right last team here we're gonna get into the tennessee titans 
NFC or AFC went to the championship game. Obviously, we've talked about them a lot and what they've needed to do. They got one guy on this list who who ends up at 25 overall in the uh, Darrington Evans. Uh, he's number 25 running back uh, on the list uh, for fantasy pros. But they go Chris Jackson, Cole McDonald, Laurel Merchantson, Christian Fulton, Isaiah Wilson, Darrington Evans. Uh, guys, overall draft grade. Jamie, I'll let you take this one first. Solid. I really like the addition of Isaiah Wilson. I'm glad they addressed the right tackle position and not just said, oh, we'll deal with Dennis Kelly and we'll see what happens. Dennis Kelly is perfectly fine, but he's a fill-in. He's not a guy that you're looking at as your long-term answer at right tackle. When you lose Jack Conklin to Cleveland like they did, you're predicated on being a run-first, pound-the-ball team and play action off that and take the top off off that with A.J. Brown. You need to make sure you maintain that not only this year but going forward, especially since you've at least locked in the quarterback, even if you haven't locked in your running back yet. Uh, I like that pick. Christian Fulton I like as well. Uh, there was a lot of mixed reviews it seemed on him. Some thought he might go, might be the third cornerback off the board. Some thought he was going to go into round two like he did. Uh, but I, I'm glad they're adding to that defense. I need to do more research on Darrington Evans. Uh, just not so, uh, coming out of App State, not somebody did a lot of research on. Uh, so I, I can't comment on uh, very well. And uh, I do think that I know they didn't make this draft pick, but I think if they need some help in the, uh, need some help with some tackling, I think Isaiah Wilson's mom could be a huge uh, boon to this team because. Uh, I just, I love their technique. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jamie, I, kn- I knew there was going to be some level of a joke that got, that got worked in there. Jake, your thoughts on this overall class for a team that, you know, didn't necessarily of the, of the division here, didn't have as many holes as some of the other teams. So just kind of had to add uh, some meat and potatoes, as we would say. I think they come back to earth overall, but I like their draft. Isaiah Wilson is an absolute freaking monster. And he's a run-blocking, road-grading machine. That's what they want to do. So, like, having that dog up there that just wants to pound people, that's that – I mean, when I'm talking big, this dude is gigantic. Um, very different than Makai Becton gigantic. Like, this dude's body looks like a freaking WWE. Yeah. Uh, I, love that, I love that they got Fulton in the second round because I don't think Logan Ryan's coming back to them. Yeah. And they need a guy – and they need another guy in that secondary – uh, Evans, I, I'm actually kind of familiar with at App State. I know the representation of the last couple of coaches there paid a lot of a close attention. Solid, man. Solid. Kind of a do-it-all kind of guy. Um, catches it okay, but runs it hard. And played decent competition. I mean, App State was really good. Go look what they've done the last couple of years. I like that pick. Uh, I don't know about dynasty stuff because now you're getting into contracts with Derrick Henry and everything that happens there. Uh, but they needed somebody. They, they were really thin yeah. behind Derrick Henry, and they need to keep him healthy for later if they're going to get in the playoffs and make that run. Uh, but I, I like him. I think he's solid. I thought their draft was good, but I love the first two for sure. In in dynasty leagues, I don't know. Um, I play in one league, and I think, Jamie, you play in a dynasty league as well. My league goes heavy running backs, man, like yeah. heavy, because if you you're more willing to take the risk that you hit on one of these guys um, because if they end up being the, the one guy who is the starter down the road, it's valuable to see a guy like this, who, because the Derrick Henry stuff isn't done yet, there might be an opportunity for him to be the guy if he really plays well next year or even the year after that. So that's where this, um, I read into him a lot and, and what fantasy pros was saying. And I'm sure Jamie, you know, um, that's just kind of how dynasty leagues work. A lot of people are willing to take those risks on running backs. Yeah, look, I mean, it's a scarce position, and you're going to see as we get deeper into the offseason, we actually start doing some specific fantasy draft analysis. 
you're going to see, and you're going to come to a point in your drafts where you're looking at some really solid wide receivers, but you know, if you pass on a running back in that spot, it's going to be a while before you find anybody that you like again at that position. Yeah. So uh, that's why they're so dynasty heavy. It's just, you have to be sometimes a little bit careful, uh, you know, because especially when you're dealing with mid to late round picks, just assuming that they're going to get the job at some point, even a year down the road and assuming they would get the job solo. I think that, I think that second part is where, uh, some dynasty managers can get into trouble. If you're paying as if this guy could potentially be part of a two back system at some point, that's fine. If you're paying for him because you think he's going to be, he's going to get 20 touches a game by year two. It's I guess it's possible, but you're it's paying you're paying for the very very peak production. Yeah, you, it's, it's a handcuff gamble though because if Henry is yeah. gone, I think the kid's going to be pretty productive. I think he catches it better than Henry. He's going to be really solid running it. I like it as a as a handcuff gamble kind of thing for dynasty leagues. I like it. Yeah, and he's rated you know twenty five. He's not in the top ten, not top, not even top twenty, right? He's he's kind of where he should be from a risk reward standpoint in a dynasty league. So I like him better than J.K. Dobbins in a in a dynasty situation. Okay, all right. Uh, that would that would be what we would consider a hot take, uh, Jake, because J.K. Dobbins is significantly. I mean, in a straight in a straight dynasty situation, yeah. Ingram's still young. Gus Bus is still there. The quarterback yeah. runs it more than all of them. Dobbins doesn't catch. Like, no, I'm, I'm not disagreeing. I mean, if with you're you. taking a swing later on, I mean, I, from where they would be right, I'd I like him better than that. Yeah, this will be a fun conversation to revisit uh, once we get into uh, seeing some of these guys. No matter what rookie minicamp ends up looking like, and we start to figure out what the what what these systems, what these guys are going to look like in in completely different. Uh, systems than we've seen them in before, obviously. And a guy that, um, like Jamie said, and not a guy I'm all that familiar with. So happy you were more familiar with him, Jake. That's that's good news for us. That's why it's a good team here. Uh, all right, guys. Uh, let's just wrap things up with final thoughts. Jake, I'll let you go first. This division's not very good. Uh, <laughs> I like Indy. I think they're going to win. I think Tennessee's coming back to earth. I don't think any of them are doing any damage in the AFC. I really don't. I mean, AFC West is loaded. The AFC North is loaded. Uh, the AFC East is is better and kind of like this division. But, I mean, if Indy got hot and stays really healthy, they could do some damage. I don't think Tennessee is going on the same run they were going on. I think Houston and Jacksonville are both going to suck. So this, it was interesting to go through all this. I like what Jacksonville is building. I love their draft, but I, this division is not great. Jamie, your parting thoughts on today's pod. Yeah, I mean, some good draft classes uh, in the division, particularly for for Indianapolis and Jacksonville. Uh, and I like, like what Tennessee did, but they weren't quite. I wouldn't give them quite as high a grade as the other two teams. But yeah. look, this this is going to be this is just going to be a meth division. I think the J- the Jags are going to be the the typical bottom feeder at least in year one. Um, Houston, I'm not very high on, but you know, Tennessee and Indianapolis will be interesting. I think they're both going to hang around right around that nine ish, 10 ish win mark, uh, getting a couple wins from each from Jacksonville is not going to hurt. Uh, but it's not an extremely compelling division and hasn't been a compelling division for a little bit. Uh, but if there is one team that has a chance, if everything goes right to spike, it is Indianapolis. Yeah. I'm, I'm excited about Indy. I have, I have a lot of faith that that team could end up being a team that, you get down the road and maybe you don't want to play the team. I think they they have enough pieces, and I really like Frank Reich as a head coach. Um, it will be interesting to see how it all shakes out and and really what we get from Phillip Rivers. We've never seen Rivers in anything other than what we've seen him in for, what, 15 years, right, it, with the Chargers. So it's um, 
I'm excited to see if we get kind of a little refresh here with Phil. What do we that get? Young from- defense has to stay healthy from the, yes. for them to make that run. That yes. young secondary, they got some talented dudes back there. Rocky Austin, I like, we've talked about. Malik Hooker, yep. I like, but they got to stay healthy back there. Darius Leonard's a freak. The front seven's been brutal. Like, they're good, but like they got to stay, they got to stay healthy and then they kind of got to get hot. But if they do and they say they had a home playoff game, other than Kansas City going in there and lighting up everybody, I don't, I don't know. Like the Chargers going in there would be interesting. Denver going in there would be interesting because they're going to stop the run. They're going to run it, which means they're going to be in the game. And you got a veteran quarterback that's making the right decisions. If they could get there, I, maybe they could do a little more damage than I was saying. Yeah, I, I hope. I hope for Philip Rivers that he gets to have a home playoff game in an awesome environment in Indianapolis. That's what I hope. I I, I hope he gets one, just one. Like just least, win the division. Yeah, that's what you do now. Like, right? right. Now with this new playoff format, every division winner, you either get the the one team with the bye or the other three division winners get the home game. Yeah. So, I mean, now you don't have to, I mean, now you're, I mean, it's what you had to do before with the two team bye, but just win the division, you're playing at home on wild card weekend and maybe against an eight and eight team, depending on how good of a season you have. I doubt they're going to be the second best team in the AFC, but you know, stranger things have happened. The injuries can happen, but, uh, they're excited. I think they could, I don't want to play them. I don't want to go Indianapolis, play them. I don't even want to necessarily play them on the road. Uh, it's not like Philip Rivers is, an, is a dome quarterback either. Like he's not, he hasn't forgotten how to play outside. No. So, no. and I, that's going to travel excited. when you stop the run and run the ball too. So, I mean, absolutely. I think what would be interesting is them going to the Chargers. The yeah, it would be uh, a lot of Colts fans. It would still feel like a home game, probably. <laughs> so, it's be the uh, first home game Rivers ever played there. Yeah. Oh, but I'm. would <laughs> be the first. Yeah. For this one, for sure. The new yeah, stadium. yeah. It's uh, I'm I'm all in for Indy. I think it's I, I want to see w- when we root for like narratives. It's a narrative that I really want to play out for Philip Rivers to have an opportunity to really compete in what I think could potentially be a division that they could roll over. Um, if if Tennessee takes a, a big kind of reality check backwards, Jake, how can everybody follow you on social media? Jake B Arians on Twitter. Jamie, follow me at Jamie Eisner on Twitter. You guys can follow me at the underscore sports page with an I on Twitter and Instagram. Please rate our show, uh, subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you're listening to this podcast, or leave us some comments and hit the like button on the YouTube video if that is what you're doing. It's really helpful to us. We're going to start giving away t-shirts. I just ordered a crap load of them today. So that means I got to give them away. So please, please, please do that so we can start giving away some merchandise. Have a great weekend. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. 